Hi there. Welcome to Fullness and Flourishing, a podcast that aims to give you space to grow into who you can be and to celebrate who you already are. I'm your host, Jess Woods. Hi, and welcome to episode six of Fullness and Flourishing. I'm here with my husband, Johnny, and we are continuing our conversation about being safe, being kind, and being brave. And today we're going to focus on that first phrase, being safe. Yes. Yes. How's everybody doing? Yeah. So if you have not gone um, ahead and listened to the episode just before this, episode five, we kind of gave an overview of what this is, um, what the phrase is, how we use it, and even how we think about things as parents. Uh, Again, if you're not a parent, we do think there's a lot of value in this conversation for you. So we invite you to keep listening um, yeah, and others of you in different stages of parenting, I think there will be helpful parts of this. Uh, you are welcome to take this phrase and begin to use it in your home, or maybe even better, take the time to develop with your partner or, go- or co-parent um, what makes sense for you, what language you would use with your kids and with each other. So we're going to jump right in with talking about being safe. It's a brief statement that probably has a lot of assumed meaning, right? being safe especially for parents i think of at the park or whatever (laughs) um that's not safe that's not safe that kind of thing or even decision making in terms of what we permit our children to do but uh again these are things we try to instill in our children um that they would be able to do for themselves um that they would value these things as well so there's a couple different components of being safe and we'll just talk about what those mean for us Um, As I mentioned in the last episode, a lot of this, my understanding of this concept of safety and how I translate it into parenting, I've actually learned from Johnny and his experience since his experience in the world is um, quite different than mine. Me being a white woman and him being a black man in the United States. um, Of course, as a woman, I've had lots of experiences of feeling physically unsafe or emotionally unsafe. Uh, but safety in a way um, is more accessible for me and quite honestly a part of my privilege as a white person in this world and um, you are not always afforded that privilege are you babe? No and uh, not that I yeah not that I no I Yeah, it's not something I get to experience and it's not something that I can be sure that my kids will get to experience. And so being safe is means a lot of things to me. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we can share some of those things with you and you can take those with you for yourself and for others that you may come across. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if that particular part of our you know, lens is not something you can relate to. I do encourage you to even sit with the discomfort that might come up for you as Johnny shares some of his perspective and we share about some of the things we have to consider, um, especially as we're raising children who will largely be, you know, um, treated as and assumed to be black. Uh, And so we just want to put that out there, that that's definitely a part of this conversation. And I invite you to not disregard that but maybe learn from it and potentially um, grow in compassion not just for our family but for others that are marginalized in a lot of different ways um, that just have to think about safety uh, 
more vigilantly. Um, can you talk a little bit, babe, about specifically uh, the kind of subpoint under being safe about uh, noticing what's around you? Yes, uh, it is. I think the most important thing about being safe for me is uh, something that I've experienced as a black man of not always expecting people to treat you kind and almost removing any veil that would allow you to think that um, nothing bad can happen to me. And so in doing that, uh, you have to be vigilant about your person and knowing where you are, who's around, um, and the all the other things uh, about a person that would give you clues as to um, their intentions uh, and how uh, things could go possibly wrong for you or um, you know if a person could or could not cause me harm Yeah, so some examples of how I've seen this play out in our life together and parenting and even how I've heard you coach our kids and um, we love our our role as uh, aunt and uncle. We have nieces and nephews that we love dearly and we really are intentional about time with them and I've heard you even speak to them about these things too. Um, Some simple things like scanning a space before you walk in a public place, whether it's a restaurant or somewhere else. Um, where you sit, where you position yourself when we sit down to eat a meal when we're out so that you can always see like the door and see what's going on. Um, I know uh, walking particularly outside, you always coach the kids like you shouldn't have both of your headphones in and um, on all the time. Like it's okay to listen to music, but one earbud out, those kinds of things. Uh, Paying attention to people's body language. There's even... Um, particular phrases that I know you've taught some of the kids to listen for or language that people might use that might give you yeah in conversation um, you know coded language that might not be in your you know in your favor Mm -hmm. and even things that people wear Mm -hmm. uh, give clues to whether uh, they might be the type of person that does not find you um, or might not value your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think in that, some might say, oh, are you being prejudiced? And I, I would say, I think that we all exercise prejudice. Mm-hmm. I think that um, our ability to move past that prejudice to get to know a person or to um, to find value in them, even though you hold certain prejudices, is um, most important. Mm-hmm. But to act like we don't have them is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But at least that's something that I feel. Yeah. Um, but and I've seen you hold that really well. I've seen you, you know, do that. Be able to both things can be true in the moment, right? That I'm going to be respectful and not rude to someone, but I'm also pretty guarded and brief in my interaction with them because they've given me some kind of clue that 
maybe they're not safe or the place space yes. that I'm in is maybe not safe. Yeah. 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 And like I said, some of my experiences about, um, being safe, specifically noticing what's around me, that's informed by how I was coached to be in the world as a woman. Um, that will be something that I talk specifically with my daughters about, um, whether it's dating or being with friends or just being out in spaces without us. But this, this starts with, crossing the street with your very little ones, right? When we take walks, noticing when the sidewalk changes to asphalt and now it's a road, noticing where cars are, listening for sounds around you, and then of course, interactions with people. And um, if you aren't in tune to these things, it may be more difficult. You may feel like, oh, that's very hypersensitive. How do you do that? How do you show up in the world? But I would encourage you to really think about um, if you don't, say those things explicitly to your kids, whether it's something as simple as notice how the sidewalk ends and the asphalt starts, or notice how that person's shirt communicates this about people who look like us. <laughs> um, where will they get that if not from you? They'll develop some kind of filter and um, it's likely to be a little bit more difficult for them yeah. to, to develop something that's really clear. Um, can you just, before we move on to the next point, can you just speak to what is the difference between um, being fearful and yeah. being safe, right? Because some people might hear what we're saying as like, oh, you should go in the world just afraid of everybody and everything. Yeah, but I would also ask um, to the level of, um, I, I hate to say, to continue to use the word privilege, but to what world do you live in where people do are not harmed mm -hmm. or where you do not assume um, where you do not expect anything, any harm to happen mm. to you. Um, but um, I think that uh, living in a state of fear is where you allow those um, that to color your I guess your lens of life where even though we live in a, a world where um, many of these things could happen to a person or many awful things could happen to a person that there's still good and joy and uh, laughter and love to be experienced. And so uh, it's almost as if you live with the reality of um, unsafe things could happen and that they do happen Yet, uh, that is not a reason to lock yourself in a closet and never experience life. Mm. Yeah. And just holding those two tensions. Right. And of course, there's developmentally appropriate ways, you know, that we would talk to the kids about, even the way we talk with our oldest compared to our middle child about, you know, ways to be safe in the world and what they notice. Those things might change over time, but I think that's absolutely true. And I think the reality is that. Um, having the tools to keep yourself safe, feeling like you know how to keep yourself safe is more likely to produce confidence than it is fear, right? If you're just yeah. aware that you're unsafe, but you don't know what to do about it, that's when I think fear would come about. But we're trying to connect the dots of like notice and then what can you do, you know, for yourself and for other people. Um, another part of the being safe for us is about knowing who you can trust and being someone that others can trust. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you believe 
trust is and um, how you even gained that skill. Yeah, I think, um, I hope that our kids first experience with building trust with someone outside of themselves is with us. And I hope that that is built on us being consistent and showing that we have their best interest and care for them, you know, up front, that it's not just for us or because I said so. And that um, their interactions with us cause them to be, you know, to build trust with us because we affirm who they are, not like force them to be something else. And so if that's the template for trust, then I would hope that when they go out into the world, um, finding other people they can trust would make them feel the same way, right? People who are clearly concerned for and supportive of their safety, their growth, their development, who they are, that they're listened to, that they're um, made to feel like they're important and they matter. That doesn't mean they always get their way. It doesn't mean the whole world stops for them, but it does mean that their presence matters. And I think there's, I hope there's a lot of other people in the world that they will experience that with. But again, I'm not assuming that every teacher and coach and everybody that they encounter will have the ability to do that. Maybe they have their own issues that get in the way of that. But I want our kids to develop that kind of filter of like, oh, is this person safe enough for me to be in some way vulnerable with them? That doesn't mean sharing all your details, right? But it does mean um, that you're able to fully be yourself with those people. And then when those people give you feedback or insight or lessons, you're more likely to hear them out. I mean, we both know that as teachers, that if you are vulnerable in some way, and show, show your humanity to your students, they're more likely to learn things from you, academic or otherwise. Yeah. I see that even as a therapist, right? There are intentional times where I use some self-disclosure to remind patients that like, I'm human too, <laughs> and I've been through things too, and that builds trust because they see that, you know, um, I'm willing to put myself out there. Uh, but yeah, I think trust, it can be a, a tricky concept one of the things that's important to me that we don't do is that we don't communicate to our kids that just because of someone's title or position mm -hmm. of authority that you must trust them blindly. That I don't think is helping kids be safe. Yeah, the more I hear you talk about trust, I, it feels more like a, um, a mash of care and honesty. Like, you know that they have your best interests at heart and that they are for you. Mm -hmm. And um, because they're for you, it allows in, it allows a, allows for more vulnerability to happen. Mm -hmm. um, because you know that they have your best interests at heart. Yeah. You know, I think some of what we were talking about with hoping that our kids can develop, you know, trust with themselves and feel safe with them within themselves first before they can trust other people. Um, I think that's really important. And this is maybe like the, one of the ickier parts of having to have this discussion. But as someone who deals with people who, you know, I try to support people who are processing childhood trauma, specifically if they've, you know, been abused by someone that they did trust or that they were told to trust. It's so important to me that 
our kids trust their own instincts and feedback of their bodies and they're in tune with like that just didn't make me feel good right that kid experience of like I have a little bit of a stomach ache when I'm around that person or I feel um, yucky and like I want to go home when that person is my substitute teacher or um, after Mrs. So-and-so talks to me I always feel you know however like to pay attention to those things because um, it's hard to say but oftentimes when I'm dealing with the adults that are processing those childhood experiences some part of them knew that they weren't safe but because of the person's position or a message that they had been given about themselves being untrustworthy or you're too young to know what's right for you they weren't able to advocate for themselves and I, I, I think a part of being safe and knowing who to trust is also realizing like I may not be able to totally put my finger on why I don't feel comfortable with this person and that's enough to just say I need space. That feels like a, a great skill to give you, or not even a skill, uh, it needs to be a tool, it feels like, for for your kids to have mm -hmm. and it not to be revoked just because you're a parent. Right, yeah. Um, or for our girls, right? With yeah. dating, just because you're in an environment with someone that you think might like you or that you like them and, and maybe it's going to go somewhere. Well, okay. But also, you can just have a feeling that something's not right and trust yourself that this person isn't doesn't have your best interest in mind. And we get a random text, <laughs> come and get me, or they call a friend or whatever they need to do to get safe. Yes. Uh, yes. A thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the second part of that is being someone that others can trust. So what what might that look like? If we were to give some examples of like how we coach our kids or how we want to model that. Um, well, I, I think it has to start uh, with seeing some value or not even seeing some value. I think that holding the value that everyone is important and special. Um, part of being a believer uh, that I think is maybe misunderstood is that God sees value in everyone. And so I just want to be like God and care for everybody because God cares for everybody. Um, I don't think that's a thing. Yes, I believe that God cares for everyone, but I think that if you don't take the time to sit with people um, who are different or not like you, or even to hold the hope or the tension of someone being different and, um, or that you don't spend time getting to know other people and the depth of them and their experience, um, then I think you'll have a hard time finding value in people. Mm -hmm. But I firmly believe that, um, and I hope that our children are people who see value in life and love and beauty in everyone that they come across. Uh, 
whether they be for you or against you. Your access to them may change, uh, but I don't. I believe that everyone has the potential to do amazing things and has amazing value. And um, and if you just look for it, you'll find it. And so I just hope that our kids, you know, start off with a believing that everybody has value. Mm. And I think that that shades, um, it, it, it should shade your view on who you should be or who you could be for a person. Yeah. And people feel that. They feel when you believe that about them. I mean, you are a natural empath and we often joke even about how the way you show up in the world, it it's almost like magnetic that the most random people will trust you with information about themselves and share their story with you and I think you and I both have done work um, to know like how to hold that kind of thing and when to put up some boundaries and I hope that our kids see us model that well it's not about being accessible to everybody all the time or holding other people's trauma or drama but that when they know they you know when they need somebody that you can be there for them, even if it's just to acknowledge and hear and see, maybe not even solve. I th- I'm thinking about my grandfather, who is a, um, my mom's dad was a World War II vet, and he used to <laughs> say this, he would meet somebody and you'd leave and he'd be like trying to say like, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time with that person, but I really think they're like a good guy or a good person. But the thing he would say is like, you know, at the end of the day, like I'd go to war with that guy. <laughs> and it was like, he'd get this sense of like, I, I could trust that guy. Like, I think he was being genuine. I think he was being real and interested in me. And I, I think that's ultimately what he was saying is like, I would trust him. I would trust that person. And yeah, I think it is a skill to be able to pick up on that quickly in other people, but I think it can be cultivated to be a person that is, you know, trustworthy. It doesn't mean you have to be an extrovert. Yes. Right? No. Like we're already even getting curious about how our kids get energy and noticing their personalities and who needs to recharge when. Um, but even if you're an introvert, I think you can learn how to be trustworthy for other people. I think a simple way to start this with young kids is like, do what you say you're going to do, right? That like following through. Um, If you say you're going to do something, then do it. And you tell a friend you're going to play with them or like, well, you know, our kids were with their cousins recently. And some of what we saw was they started kind of treating each other like siblings after a while. But if you say you're going to play and then you just bail on them and don't help clean up or you just disappear or you play unfairly like are they going to want to continue to spend time with you do they feel valued by you when you do that kind of thing you know um I shouldn't talk because if you ask my my younger sister she would tell you I was famous for like play this board game with me and then we would set it up or I would say you set it up and then by the time she set it up I would say I changed my mind and I would disappear but that breaks down trust, right? Even in little ways. So I think you can start that with young kids. And then as it gets older, you know, with our teenager talking about what does it mean to be trustworthy when your friends tell you something hard, what's a thing that you, you know, would not repeat ever? Or um, what does it mean to be safe for them? What does it mean for adults to be able to trust you to do what you say you're gonna do? Okay. Those kinds of things. That's funny. I, um, 
yeah, there's a level of, um, I, I, I never thought about that. Uh, it's always been very important for me to keep my promises to, to people and to my, you know, to the babies and the nieces and nephews. Um, because I know that that's, you know, I, you wouldn't want to be somebody that disappoints them, but that is, you're right. I've never really considered how much accountability um, and, you know, keeping your word. It makes you safe. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I guess, is that more of, um, yeah, a, a part of being consistent? Or is that uh, just that they're worthy of being um, consistent for? Like mm-hmm. I could, yeah, I could yeah. lie to you, mm-hmm. um, but that's that, you know, and say I, I care about you, right? Um, but is you know, care always contingent upon um, you putting your best forward, your mm. best foot forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that I would have evidence that you merely mean that based yeah. off of how you show up and whether I can count on you. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think it's a good, this is a good principle to explore the concept of disappointment, right? It doesn't mean that we always meet other people's expectations. That's not what it's about. But it feels like when, because even as parents, right, there's going to be times where we, our kids are disappointed in the choice we made because it's not what they wanted. Yeah. But I think it's the when it counts, when it matters, either I can, I can tell them, hey, this just isn't going to work right now, or we just can't do that today and do my best to explain it to them. Why sometimes maybe just ask them to trust me, but to realize that that relational collateral of the, just trust me because I'm your parent thing is built up yeah. over, over time yeah. and over many times of you, um, being the person that you purport. Yes. And, you know, we were talking in the last episode about why it's important to even have these, like, intentional commitments or, you know, to cast this kind of vision for our life as a family. Because if you don't have these things, if you don't have these principles in place, the reality is, as humans, as parents, we're going to default to convenience for ourselves in the way that we parent, right? And which I think is what that, like because I said no, or we're just not going, <laughs> or that just, we're just not doing that anymore. Or that's not going to work. Those it's just more convenient for me to, to shut it down or functioning out of like fear or even control. Yeah. And so, but that teaches a different skill to a kid. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we have to, we have to think through like, what does this mean to not only, you know, know who you can trust and be someone you can trust, but then how do we model that as parents? Um, and the, the way, like how we choose to spend time with certain people and who we invite into our home and who we share things with, right? Like I even think about... They're an extension of that trust. Yeah. And I think about even our very young kids, like they're not putting together their birthday party invitation list. We are right now. And the people we've chosen to come to their birthday parties are people that have shown that they truly care about our kids and about our family and what's going on with them and we knew would like show up to truly celebrate them and that's because we trust them 
So I think it, yeah, it touches a lot of areas of life. Uh, there's kind of two other things that fall under that be safe umbrella for us. The other one is like be safe as in physically safe and healthy. Um, and so like moving your body and eating well are kind of connected there. Um, you're an athlete. Would you say athlete or former athlete? How would you describe yourself? <laughs> uh, my, my brain would say that I'm still an athlete. I think my um, body is dealing with the realities of getting older <laughs> and uh, dealing with it not well. Um, yes, but the, I, I think those things are very uh, integral to being safe. Um, and you know, it's uh, it's really hard to say that you're being um, safe if you're doing things that are unhealthy to your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that is a it's also a discipline mm. and you know, discipline is just a another learned this week in professional development <laughs> that uh, discipline the origins of the word mean to learn mm. and to teach mm. and so you know the uh, while we think of our of learning as primarily a um, a thinking thing um, a primarily a brain function our body learns as well mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. the different parts of our body uh, learn very well mm -hmm. and so you know what would you what would you add yeah I think um, for us in our family life this has looked like like we prioritize time being outside taking walks that's good for our physical health and our mental health our kids ask for that they ask to go on walks they like to be outside and to play our kids are you know exploring different kinds of sports and um, you know, ways of, of exercising their bodies. Uh, we love food in our family. Both Johnny and I come from good eating families, but we also really like to make good, good eating food. Families. Yes, like, like we are good eaters. <laughs> um, but we really like to make food. That's one of our like family hobbies, something that drew Johnny and I together. And so even just trying different kinds of recipes, different kinds of foods, it's very important to us that our kids you know, um, try lots of different things and, and enjoy healthy foods, but also just think about um, what they're putting in their bodies and even attending to their bodies. Am I full? Am I hungry? What do I need to put in my body right now? And not just having arbitrary rules of like, you need to be outside to play for this many minutes a day. You need to eat this many vegetables a day. You need to, you know, because that, again, that's behavior modification and we want them to see like keeping themselves safe and healthy is about what they put into their bodies and how they move their bodies too. We're, I mean, like you said, we're, we experience the limitations of our bodies all the time because of age or injuries or illness or things like that. But um, even the way that we handle ourselves when we're not well or when we need to heal, I think is important too. Yes, yeah, so when we're tired, Mm. And it's bedtime. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even how we talk about that. That's a good one because the last the last point we have under um, the be safe 
uh, topic is knowing when and how to rest. I feel like I should not talk about that at all because I am the worst example of that in our family. Well, you probably have a kinder way of saying that. I'm working on yes doing a better job of resting. Yes, um, you know yourself very well, and you know that you um, can tend to be very busy. Overfunction. Yes, and that, <laughs> and yeah. So you're a work in progress. Mm-hmm. We're we're learning. But even now, I find myself, you know, with our, I'm home with our youngest a lot now, and, um, and our youngest is not even talking really yet, so very young, <laughs> but I, as I'm talking to them throughout the day, I can sometimes notice when the energy shifts and they just want, you know, a different version of me than the buzzing around mommy, <laughs> and so I'll just say out loud, like, okay, should we just spend some time sitting I'll come and watch this show with you or let's read some books or I'm just noticing even how helpful it is for them pre bedtime or nap time to like have a different pace of entertainment or activity and setting, setting the stage for that. So we're not just running through the day and crashing into bed. Yeah. Right. And then we have really been trying to calibrate, especially in this season of busyness and stress and notice like when we just need a day at home. Right? Yes. Because we have family that's somewhat local, but it usually takes a couple hours in the car to see them and the potential to be a part of, you know, things in our church family or see other friends or whatever. We could be buzzing around every weekend, but we are trying more and more to just tune into like, what do our bodies need? What do the kids need? And we're actually going to not go to church this Sunday and be at home and prioritize time at home or cooking together, or being outside or this whole weekend is more of a rest weekend and just kind of stating that and asking for that when we need it. I think both of us are getting better at saying to each other, like, I need to go sleep. I need to go lay down. Yes. I need to take a longer shower or a walk. Or maybe even uh, receiving that, being on the receiving end of, maybe you should, you know, give yourself a break or maybe you should... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds like you've said that before. No, no. I, no you have received it as well. Yes, but you have done. I think that's a big part of why I'm learning is because I'm open to the feedback from you, and you've and the kids hear that conversation, right? Yeah. A lot of this stuff is not happening behind closed doors, and there's these no. secret grown-up things. Even our, you know, our toddler hearing you say to me, "Why don't you go lay down? You know, you're tired. Take that time for yourself." Yeah. I think is. Um, yeah, and then and finding what is restful. It doesn't always mean sleeping. It doesn't always mean no. doing nothing. But what is restorative? And even that idea of, you know, for those of us who are believers, like Sabbath, that's more of a religious concept, but we've been exploring that a bit too. What does it mean for us to truly have a Sabbath? So, And, and even examining um, our, you know, thoughts and ideas surrounding productivity and what the work looks like Uh, to be good or to be great at anything we believe that we have to work ourselves beyond exhaustion to expand our capacity to Mm. be good or something Mm. Um, is that a thing Mm. Um, and can we be more efficient with our with our energy and our time and our bodies Yeah. yeah so that's a lot I know that goes under that kind of heading of being safe and obviously you know when we say it to our kids we mean all of it but in the moment however it lands with them and in their 
a season of their life, whatever it means to them, maybe shifts a bit. But we hope that by the time they leave our nest, they have that full understanding of all of those things, that it's noticing what's going on around you, knowing who you can trust, being someone that others can trust. It's about moving your body and eating well in order to be healthy and safe, and then knowing when and how to rest. So, um, yeah, I just, I guess I just want to say I'm so grateful that um, in a lot of ways you have taught me how to be a safer person for other people, but also the safety that I have found in you and our relationship and our family is so unique and so different than what I've experienced before. I did not, I can't say that I had an extremely unsafe childhood or upbringing, but um, I did have quite a bit of trauma in my young adulthood and landing where I am now in this family with you as my partner and raising these kids the way that we are with this prioritization of you know, safety being one of the things. I really think I'm only able to do that for them and even for the, the patients that I have as a therapist because of the safety that I feel, you know, in our relationship and in our family. So I want to thank no, you too for that. Not fishing for compliments either. <laughs> All right. Well, our next episode, we will dive into um, be kind and what that means to us. Um, in the meantime, though, we hope that you're, you're passing this on and sharing this with others in your lives that might benefit and for sure, reach out if you have thoughts or questions or or follow up things that you want to add to the conversation. Thanks for being with us. Uh, we hope that this episode finds you in a place where you are, um, feeling full in the ways that are helpful and that you are finding moments of flourishing and hopefulness as well. Until next time. Although I'm a trained mental health professional, it should be noted that the suggestions and information shared here are general and should not take the place of therapy or psychiatry. I encourage you to connect to local mental health providers to get the support that you need. Of course, you're encouraged to call 988 if you're struggling with suicidal thought or urges. And please go to the emergency room if you're unable to stay safe due to your mental health symptoms.